Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We hope you're safe and well. Please, please be careful. We're continuing to look at the economic fallout of COVID-19, agriculture getting hit hard. We're going to talk today with the president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council, the vice president, government affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and the vice president, government relations for the National Milk Producers Federation to get assessment of the damage for their industries and how much will the USDA assistance package announced by Secretary Purdue late Friday, how much will that help and how will that be used? And of course, we want to talk about the the backup in the supply chain with the processing plants closing. We'll get into that as well. But we start things off with Todd Neely from DTN. And Todd, thank you for joining us. You know, that $19 billion that USDA announced in assistance, that's a lot of money. But more and more, it feels like trying to put out a five alarm fire with a garden hose. Yeah, you know, Mike, that's a great description. I think, uh, you know, what we're seeing across the board in the industry, um, it's really unprecedented. I mean, you look back uh, these past couple of years with all the trade issues and so on, uh, and it's hard to believe that in a month's time, month and a half's time, uh, we've seen losses in agriculture and ethanol uh, just skyrocketing. I mean, it's I, I don't remember a time ever where we've seen this much distress um, you know, yesterday the ethanol industry held a press conference talking about some of the losses they see coming this year. And we're on pace right now uh, for that industry to produce only about half as much as what it expected in 2020, which uh, really is troublesome when you look at uh, gasoline demand being down and uh, all the things that we need to have an economy rolling. You know, there's just no demand for fuel. Um, it really puts ethanol in particular in a tough spot because without that demand for fuel, there's really nowhere for the product to go. And so there's a lot of, you know, as we've talked about, there's a lot of backup in the industry. We've got uh, more than 70 ethanol plants that are reportedly idled and production cuts made at another 70 or more plants. And so, yeah, we're, we're in a real tough spot right now. I think the 19 billion is a good start uh, from USDA, but I, I think it comes up quite a bit short. And, of course, the, the the issue, the growing issue now of these uh, uh, meat packing plants closing down or idling, uh, I mean, that that is really backing up the uh, the food chain. And, and, you know, producers have nowhere to go with animals. It uh, threatens the uh, uh, you know, supply of meat into uh, our retail sector. This is really playing havoc with the system. Yeah, you know, and at the same time, uh, you know, we see the CDC, uh, USDA, and others working feverishly to keep some of these uh, meat processing plants open uh, amid the virus. Some of these plants have been hit so hard. I mean, hundreds of cases reported among workers in some situations. Um, it's it's a, it's quite a challenge, at least logistically, for sure, that, uh, you know, a lot of hog producers have animals that need to go to processing uh, and there's there's really nowhere to go. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the buy that the USDA is making in terms of meat products, I think that's a good thing. It's going to get some of those products, uh, you know, out of the system and into food banks and other situations. But uh, it definitely, you know, we're, we're seeing now the effects of shutting down the economy. You know, when you 
when you shut things down the way you have, and here we are only a month and a half into it, and you're seeing the devastation, uh, it just goes to show you that every little every little action has some trickle down effect, you know, throughout the whole system. And so right now, I would say the best medicine uh, we could possibly see going forward is to start getting the economic situation open back up. And you know, on on the economic front, all these all these billions of dollars in assistance, which these dollars are needed to get us through this. But I yeah. keep thinking, what's it going to be like post-COVID-19? These bills come due. Uh, already we're hearing about some from some politicians about that we're going to have to start raising taxes. I wonder what this is going to cost us in the long run. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, it, uh, you know we're, we're talking about some huge numbers. You know, we had a stimulus package that came out that was $2 trillion. Uh, we've got, you know, the, the Paycheck Protection program uh that's already spent 350 billion and there's talks of you know 300 more billion and up coming uh added back to that some more and i think you're right i mean once we get toward the end of 2020 uh there's going to be a lot of a lot of issues that we're going to have to deal with you know the trump administration uh has been really much uh, against raising taxes to any degree uh but you're right it does put us in a situation where I think people are going to have to start making some difficult choices and making some more compromises along the way. Um, you know, unless this economy can fire back up, you know, the president keeps talking about that when we get this thing rolling again, it's going to be bigger and better than ever. Uh, it's going to have to be at least that uh, with, with uh, the amount of uh, the amount of stimulus and, and aid that we're putting out. Meanwhile, here's a bright spot. If we compare the planting season and planting progress this year compared to last year, for many farmers, it's a much better situation this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can't really complain with uh, with the way the weather has been going. Uh, in particular, you know, we're seeing uh, we're seeing a lot of good numbers coming from uh, from a variety of areas, and I think uh, you know that that is that's a great point. Uh, you know, while farmers are, are cash strapped, and, and there's a lot of a lot of concerns out there. I do think that we're headed in a situation where, uh, you know, even the wind, even the weather throughout the summer appears to be fairly, you know, fairly uneventful going forward. And so at the very least, I think we're going to see people getting out of the field quite successfully. We're already seeing a, a big growth in that. Um, and I, I do think that as we continue on in the growing season, I, I think we're going to see uh, some really good situations coming from across the country, which is a, which is a big, big change from what we've seen the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And also, Todd, we kind of wait for some details. You know, that package that was announced Friday by USDA, like including, what, $3 billion in purchases of surplus commodities. We need to see some details on how that's going to work and how they're going to get that to the people that need them. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, it, it raises a good point. You know, while there's a lot of talk about direct payments and, and, uh, you know, buying hogs and that sort of thing. I do think that, uh, you know, the farmer has to know, okay, what do I do right now? Uh, you know, sometimes these, these, uh, these funds that come down from USDA in, in these situations, a lot of times it takes some time. And, uh, right now time is of the essence. You know, we've got, we've got a real crisis situation in a lot of parts of the ag sector. And I think, uh, any information farmers can get at this point about what these things mean, I think, is a good thing. And hopefully we're going we're gonna to know that pretty shortly. All right, Todd, thanks as always for the update and stay safe. 
All right, you too, Mike. Thank you. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely. Well, the pork industry is in a crisis situation. We're going to talk with the president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council, Jen Sorensen. She'll tell us about how bad it is for pork producers right now, how much will that assistance package from USDA help, and what's still going to be needed to get the industry through this. We'll talk about it next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's focus on the crisis in the pork industry. Jen Sorensen, President-Elect of the National Pork Producers Council, joins us. Jen, thank you for joining us. Hope you are safe. Uh, How does the current situation compare, say, to the late 90s and the crisis that hit the pork industry then? Yeah, uh, Mike, this kind of feels like a similar time. We are definitely what you would say in peril as hog farmers. Um, We've got a number of issues right now with, you know, losing our food service market, uh, packing plant closure, and hogs backing up on our farms. So uh, to say the least, it it is a very challenging time for us right now. We were seeing estimates of the industry losing as much as $5 billion this year. So Mm -hmm. when you get some assistance, like was announced Friday from USDA, obviously it doesn't make up for all of that, but how much does it help? Well, it helps a little. Uh, We fear the lifeline so desperately needed will fall short of what is truly needed. You know, while the direct payments to hog farmers will offset some of those losses, for some farmers, certainly not su- sufficient to sustain the varied market participants, including those who own hogs, as well as thousands of contract growers who care for them. You know, a, a, a big chunk of the U.S. pork industry was, was left out of the direct payments. So now the situation with the packing plants. Uh, get, tell us what you're hearing from producers faced with tough decisions, yeah. what to do with their animals. Yeah, so top news story right now is that many of our meat processing partners have had multiple issues with plant delays, plant closures, worker absenteeism. You know, we know they're working very hard with state and federal officials to keep the plants open um, and operate as as close to full capacity as, as possible, but not without you know, challenges. I think we've lost about 20% of our plant capacity, which is causing hogs to back up on our farms. And as pork producers, you know, for weeks now, we have done things like adjusted our nutrition strategies and diets with alternative feeding programs 
and different management strategies, stocking and space management strategies, but we're, we're getting close to a time period where we're going to have to make really tough decisions on what we do with our animals if we don't find a way to keep our packing plants open. And is that the key issue now? And if so, how much can the government do? I mean, if workers are sick, I mean, we know there are a lot of efforts underway to try to keep these plants as safe as possible and keep people working. Mm-hmm. But if, you're, if you don't have the workers and you can't keep those plants open, uh, what's the next step at that point? It is, it is the hardest challenge in front of us right now as a, as a pork industry and as a packing plant industry and as an entire food chain. You know, we have to continue to communicate, keep an open dialogue with our plants, keep an open dialogue with our state and federal officials. Uh, and we need government intervention to keep our packing plants open. Um, this is a matter of food security and food costs for our consumers. And if something doesn't happen fast, um, we're going we're gonna to be in a, in a downward, downward spiral here. And when you say fast, I mean, it's critical now and every day counts, doesn't it? It, it is. You know, the nation's food supply chain is a national security issue and its preservation um, is important and should be entrusted to the highest levels. And, you know, we're pulling for, for our plants. We hope for better news later this week. Um, we are heartaches for you know, the workers who have been impacted by COVID, but we all need to work together here and, and keep these plants open and keep pork moving through the chain. We're talking with Jen Sorensen, president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council. Jen, I asked you earlier about how this compares to the mm-hmm. late 90s. We saw the pork industry change dramatically after that crisis. Do you see another structural change in the industry following COVID-19? Well, Mike, you know, that's the fear. You know, after 1998, we saw the loss of of many, many farmers in our industry and further consolidation of our industry. I mean, there was small farmers, medium and large farmers that lost their businesses and and consolidated. And, And so that's something that we definitely, you know, don't want to see. We need to preserve our hog farmers here and get some aid out to them in terms of um, direct payments with no payment limitations. You know, my opinion, a U.S. hog farmer is a U.S. hog farmer, regardless of size. Um, A lot of those larger farmers are supporting many, 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 if not thousands of smaller farmers through contract grower agreements, through employees, through contracted site management, you know, a lot of people working together to, to produce food here in the U.S. I know you're in constant contact with uh, members of Congress, with the administration. Mm-hmm. Are they receiving your message? Are you expecting further assistance? Well, we we do hope and anticipate um, some more COVID relief packages. We are in constant communication with our, our federal agencies, the USDA, on a daily basis. Um, we, are, we are hoping for more help, and we remain optimistic, because right now the 
again, the lifeline we so desperately need is, is falling short of what we truly need to keep farmers in business. We're looking at losses of I think it was a conservative estimate by Dermot Hayes a few weeks ago at $37 a head loss. And now we're, we're pushing up to 50, if not higher. So uh, we're definitely bleeding. Uh, we're definitely in a free fall with our hog market here and we need government intervention fast. Part of USDA's package was to, um, purchase some surplus commodities and mm-hmm. get those commodities to people in need. And we know there's a great need out there. Mm-hmm. But again, there's some logistics involved there to make that happen. Are you concerned about you know being able to actually make that process work? Yeah, we're anxious to hear the details on uh, a potential pork buy. Uh, the USDA has announced that they would do one I don't think I've heard the details yet, but to your point, Mike, you know, we have a lot of product that has backed up in our, our pork plants that was supposed to be food service bound. So about 25% of, of U.S. pork is, is sent into food service. And as we know, restaurants and quick service and, and food service institution has, has all been decimated through COVID-19. And so there that product sits. We'd really like to get that out of cold storage and donated into food pantries, community shelves, and through the food bank system to help to help Americans who are food insecure at this point. So uh, we wait anxiously to hear what that would look like um, and then get that supply chain up and moving. But it, it will not be without, uh, without its own challenges. Mm-hmm. And on the export side, uh... What do you see there? Well, our our exports remain relatively strong. Um, I think our, um, you know, that's always been a, a a bright spot for U.S. hog farmers. We had a rocky 2018 and 2019 as we were hit with uh, retaliatory tariffs on on pork. Um, so, you know, we, we remain hopeful that our exports remain strong. I know that we've had some um, situations down in Mexico that is that is depressing the exports going down into Mexico. But, you know, everyone here on the globe is faced with the COVID-19 pandemic um, and pork consumption is just uh, changing quite a bit you know, every day, every week. So, you know, we keep on it. We keep pushing for uh, free trade agreements. We keep promoting the importance of U.S. pork exports and into our uh, pork importing countries. All right, Jen. Well, uh, again, it's a crisis situation, and uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully we'll have some better news soon. But thanks for bringing us up to date. Thanks, Mike. All right, take care. Jen Sorensen, President-elect of the National Pork Producers Council. Well, much is the same in the in the beef industry as well, with these processing plants closing and uh, uh, another crisis situation. Losses expected to be uh, in the billions there, too. We'll talk with Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, get his thoughts from a beef industry perspective of where they're at, How much does this government assistance help and what's going to be needed moving forward? That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA.
drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we just heard an assessment of the pork industry situation from the president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council. Now we're going to focus on the beef industry, and I think we're going to hear much the same, I think, from Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan, thanks for joining us. Give us an assessment uh, of the of the crisis in the beef industry right now. Well, obviously, we're continuing to see the effects of this COVID-19 crisis impact every segment of, of the cattle industry. Uh, we've been focused really heavily uh, in the last few weeks on the rollout of this CARES Act stimulus program uh, as a short-term infusion of, of resources to our industry. Obviously, there are some other tools out there, too, like this uh, Paycheck Protection Program that we're debating again this week here in Washington in order to get some more money through the door for that program. Um, but it, it is it is the kind of challenge that we're seeing throughout the economy. You know, and this is something obviously as we see oil and gas go below zero yesterday. Every every different sector the economy is dealing with in different ways. Clearly, that that packing per, uh, capacity issue that we're continuing to monitor is one that that has been critically impactful to us. Um, if if our producers don't have an avenue to get their animals processed. Uh, and and on to the to the uh, retail shelves. That that's a, a tremendous impact to us. So uh, working with the packers, uh, uh, making sure that that they are doing everything they can do to keep those uh, keep those lines moving and and keep product moving through the system uh, continues to be a, a really critical piece of this. But so does getting some aid to our producers during this extraordinary time. Uh, and that's that's where we've had a lot of our focus. All right, along those lines of aid, the package announced by USDA late Friday, how much will that help the cattle industry? You know, I, I think it's a step in the right direction, and, and this is something that they continue to say, and, and we do as well. You know, we want to be careful to not not have anybody feeling like they're going to be made whole here, uh, given the extent of, of losses and the extent of need. But $5 billion, uh, of that $9.5 billion, uh, in, in aid funds being being uh, allocated to the cattle industry is a step in the right direction. It's you know we're the largest section of American agriculture. Uh, it, it tracks that we should uh, have uh, the, the the largest share of that pie. We're appreciative of that. We do have some concerns with the payment caps that have been put in place. We think they're uh, they, they're they're under the mark um, given given just the, the 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 way our industry looks today. I, I, I think there's some concern that that with payment caps as low as 125,000. Uh, it's going to be hard to get that that money out the door to the producers that need it. So we're working with Congress on that. Um, we're expecting to have some some more feedback going to USDA and the White House in the coming days, not just from us, but from all of the commodity groups that are included uh, in that package. I think we're all having the same reaction to some of those to some of those limits that were that were put out uh, at the end of last week. So there's some, some work to be done here still, and this is not a final rule. It hasn't gone to the White House yet. OMB hasn't signed off yet. Um, so we're going to continue to put our feedback into the process. You know, we have $13.5 billion in damages, according to our estimate. 
Um, five billion is a good start, but we have a lot of cow-calf producers, Mike, that, that aren't going to really see the impact until later this year. And we need to make sure that, that there's money um, and, and aid headed to them as well. Um, we haven't heard enough detail to make us comfortable on that front in this initial package. We know there's another $14 billion uh, coming into CCC that was part of the CARES Act. We want to hear some more detail about how they intend to make sure that gets out to those producers that may be selling cattle in the fall as well. We're talking with Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Let's come back to that payment limit issue. It's always kind of a sensitive issue when it kind of uh, is perceived to favor bigger producers over smaller producers. Uh, explain more your concerns on the on the caps and why you feel they need to be uh, adjusted higher. Well, it, I mean, we're, we're responding to, to what we're hearing in the country and, and what we're hearing from across the country, especially from smaller from states with a lot of smaller cow-calf producers, is that they're worried that cap is too low. So we're, we're communicating the concerns we're hearing from our producers and our affiliates around the country uh, that, that USDA just undershot the mark there. And, and I believe me, I, I, I get it. And, and, you know, USDA, I think, was responding to what we all told them, which was they need to make sure that this money is dialed in to get to those smaller producers on the ground. Um, we're worried that they just shot a little too low and, and that, that that number may not be big enough to get these uh, these producers what they what they need to really start to make some recovery. You know, the economic damage assessment that we sent to USDA last week had did a good job on the cow calf side of outlining that. There's a, a predicted $111 loss this year to cow calf producers. But if 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 that's not mitigated with some some stimulus funds now, that could actually multiply to a $247 loss by 2021. So acting now and getting some resources to the ground helps stem some of the losses moving forward. And that's kind of where some of our focus is now is helping USDA to understand, uh, you know, they need to get a lick in there quick and it needs to be big enough to really have the intended effect. Let's look at this issue now with the, the, the plants that are idling and closing. Uh, even with government assistance, I mean, if you don't have healthy people to work in these plants, you're still going to have that that bottleneck. Uh, so how 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 do you address that issue? Well, I, I think the different packers, from what what they've told us, are addressing that in in different ways. Everybody has a different corporate structure, obviously. You know, I I know they're they're trying to figure out how to make sure the line stays moving, even if that's at a reduced speed. I know they've taken all kinds of precautions uh, to to ensure that that the plant is a clean working environment where where workers aren't going to be risking exposure. And you know, just just looking at this realistically, I mean, this is a clean environment anyway. It seems to me, and in our conversations, uh, the the lowest likelihood of infection all day for a for a worker at one of these plants is when they're at work. It's the rest of the day when they go home or somewhere else where, where you know, you can't control it as much. But I think they're doing everything they can to, to try to get tools in place to make sure that there's, uh, uh, you know, a workflow and, and a monitoring of that staff that, that keeps them healthy, um, you know, and, and with varying degrees of success. Uh, but we, we, we know that's resulting in some line speed slows. Um, and, and in other places, it's resulting in some of these plants shutting down uh, for, for temporary periods of time. Um, that's that's a completely dynamic situation. It's changing constantly. We're getting uh, updates every time we ask for them. I know NAMI, the lobbying group for the for the Packers, is communicating with the White House and um, and USDA as well to make sure that they're they're letting them know what they need. 
uh, on that front, and, and we're continuing to make it clear to USDA and the White House and Congress that uh, on the cattle industry side, you know, we need them to make sure that they're doing what they can for the packers to make sure we still have a buyer for our product. Um, so it's a, it's a coordinated effort, and, and, and you know, we're clearly not out of the woods yet. Um, and, but, you know, I think as we see some signs of life in different areas of the economy and some, some people starting to poke their heads up and some governors talking about reopening some things, um, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that we can, we can look at some of the precautions that these, that these packers have put into place in order to keep these plants up and running um, as, a, as, a, as a runway to sort of ramp things back up. I mean, we're, we're going to get through this wave here, and hopefully we'll have some of these, these guys coming back to work um, and they can get closer to full speed. Yeah, what are you hearing from producers right now? We we hear from the pork industry that, you know, pork producers in some cases just have nowhere to go with their animals. Are are, are cattle producers faced with that too right now? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely hearing some reports of that. We've heard some feeders that, that just said that they haven't had buyers for the last couple of weeks in some areas of the country. Um, you know, we're, we're, we are, um, I mean, we cattle are still selling in some areas. I mean, the prices have continued to be really challenging. Um, but, you know, we, we had heard this weeks ago that that big boom we saw on the box beef side and that, that run at the grocery store um, has, you know, necessarily has been followed by a lot of consumers with full freezers. Um, and, and so, I mean, this thing continues to develop as we, as we move forward and with line speed slowing and the things we, we've talked about already with processing capacity, um, all that does is, is, is add further pressure and hurt our, uh, our producers' ability to, to, to sell their cattle and get the money that they, that they should for them uh, when they go to the sale barn. And that's, that's, a, uh, that's a real problem for us. That's something we're continuing to focus on. Um, that's why we view this as such an extraordinary set of circumstances. You know, we don't typically ask for aid from the government, and, and that's a, a point of pride for our industry. Um, but, but it speaks to how extraordinary this situation is and, and how bad conditions are um, that we're in the mix and, and asking for that help because uh, it, it really is critical to make sure that our, these, these small family farms and ranches are, are able to stay viable through this. And finally, Ethan, are you hearing anything more from USDA on their expanded investigation into the, uh, into the cattle market, the pricing that's going on, and the concerns raised by producers? Well, I mean, that, 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 that's obviously a big part of this, and, and it's, a, it's a situation that, as we've noted before, uh, existed before the COVID-19 crisis. All the COVID-19 crisis done is, has done is exacerbate and highlight uh, the issue that, that we've already been working on and trying to solve. Um, we've asked, we sent a letter to the White House. We've asked USDA and the White House to speed up that investigation. Um, obviously, we had hoped we'd already have seen the Holcomb uh, results long before this COVID crisis uh, uh, hit us. Um, so we're, we're hopeful that as they incorporate um, the data from this COVID crisis, that they will do so quickly. And what we told the White House was we cannot afford to wait another six months for the results of this investigation. We need to know what's going on now. We need to have the information, uh, good or bad, so that we as an industry can respond to it and chart a path forward. Um, and if there are uh, issues that DOJ needs to follow up on, they need to do that as well. Um, but we need to see the results of that quickly. Uh, we know the USDA has a lot on their plate at the moment, but this is important, and we, we need them to wrap that up. All right, Ethan, thank you for the update, and we'll stay in touch. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. All right, so we've heard now from the pork industry and the beef industry. Next, we turn to the dairy industry. Paul Blyberg, Vice President, Government Relations for the National Milk Producers Federation, will join us next. 
get his assessment of where they're at in the dairy industry, how much will this government assistance package help, and what do they need moving forward in the dairy industry. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices, but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications, and it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so we've checked on the pork industry, the beef industry. We turn now to the dairy industry. Joining us is Paul Blyberg, Vice President, Government Relations for the National Milk Producers Federation. Paul, thank you for joining us. Uh, Your thoughts on the assistance package USDA announced late Friday. How much will that help the dairy industry? Well, thanks, Mike, for having me on. And as you said, there's a wealth of hurt in the dairy industry right now. We're looking at a loss of over $8 billion in dairy farmer gross income this year on account of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, as we said on Friday when the package was initially announced, it's uh, it's a bit of relief, and we appreciate the step that's taken here, uh, but we think much more is going to be needed. Um, you know, I would say that in a lot of other sectors outside of agriculture, you see large, large, large amounts of money being spent. And I think as we talk about... Um, agriculture and the essential nature of the farms and the food supply, more is going to need to be done here. You have milk being dumped in tremendous amounts on account of so much demand collapse, given all of the closures uh, that, have, that have occurred. And uh, so we're going to be working with, with USDA and Congress as much as we can in the coming weeks to push for an even more robust uh, outcome here. What is the biggest issue causing the problem right now for the dairy industry? Is it schools closing, the loss of the of the uh restaurant business or what what's the biggest issue right now yes yeah, that's a that's a good question it's a combination of the restaurants and schools and sort of the food service industry closures as, as a whole you know catering events so, you know, all kinds of different things that add up and and roughly it's about half of the cheese that we make in the country goes into what i'd call broadly away from home outlets and about 60 percent of the butter and i think about a quarter of the fluid milk we produce obviously fluid milk is more uh, more heavily reliant on the retail volumes but that's a significant amount of milk that goes into away from home outlets most of which have either entirely or mostly collapsed right now and uh, that's large, large quantities of milk across the country that have nowhere to go. And obviously, milk has to be produced every day and moved and stored. It, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a perishable good. So we've got a major problem here. We've been doing everything we can to get product where it can be consumed, which is why one of the um, things we've been pushing for, and obviously there was an element of this in USDA's proposal, and we had great support from Congress on this too, was product purchases, buying up product as much as we can, getting product in the hands of food banks, other food insecure populations. We've been doing a lot of work with IDFA on the processing side and with Feeding America to make sure we communicate and coordinate about the need that food banks have and the importance of getting dairy in the food banks. And so that's been a really good partnership between the three organizations. But that's why that's so important right now, because when you've got product that can go somewhere, we need to get it uh, where it can be consumed and out of commercial channels as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, what what about the logistical concerns? Uh, it, I think it's good for the USDA is going to make these purchases and get it to people in need. But how about getting that to them? The 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 movement and the storage, as you mentioned, you got a perishable product here. How do you see that working out? Well, you know, right now, fortunately, the dairy supply chain is continuing uninterrupted. I, mean, I think that's a, a testament partly to the fact that we've been designated an essential industry, but the milk supply is safe. You know, we've largely been able to keep moving product to market and getting product to where it needs to go. And so I think that's something we'll continue, you know, like I said, working with the food banks, working with others just to make sure that where there are issues in the movement and the distribution process, we can work those out. But uh, milk supply continues to be moving. All right. So as you continue to talk with Congress and, and the administration, what would you like to see as that next step to help the dairy industry? So I think as to the, the exact next steps are partly going to depend on what we see um, in terms of the details on this step that was announced Friday. Obviously, we saw some things that were laid out, but not everything has been made clear. So a couple of items I'll touch on here that are important. One is the uh, you know, underlying payment rate in the direct payment program and, and what some of the parameters there are going to be, how they're going to calculate a loss, what kind of production volume they're going to use. Those are all things we've not yet seen. And so those are going to be very important details that make a difference, that will make a difference in the effectiveness of the program. A, a very significant issue for dairy as well is the payment limitations that were put in place. And uh, you know, farmers that produce large amounts of milk are going to receive very limited assistance under this package. And given the massive losses that farmers of all sizes are facing, we've raised significant concern already um, from producers across the country um, regarding the payment limits that were in the package announced Friday. And I know that's not a sentiment just shared with dairy. It's a sentiment shared in the produce industry and the livestock industry. So that's going to be an item for continued discussion with USDA and Congress as well, because there's great concern about while trying to be helpful here, you don't want to limit the ability to make sure that we don't lose a lot of farms on the other side of this in any size. Um, so the payment limit issue is definitely going to be a paramount one. But as I said, there will be other questions we have on the payment structure itself, but some of that information isn't yet known. Yeah, we just talked with Ethan Lane with NCBA, and he brought up the payment limit issue as well and pointed out uh, there's still hope that it can be negotiated and some changes made. Uh, are you hopeful as well? Do you think they're open to adjusting that? Um, I think it remains to be seen. I think obviously we're hopeful that we can work out some kind of an adjustment there. It, it just depends on what plays out, I think, over the next days is more folks have a chance to digest the package and weigh in and members of Congress will be looking at this too and weighing in obviously. So we've been talking to folks on Capitol Hill about this issue in both chambers and both parties to make them aware of what a concern it is for dairy. And it's really a concern across a lot of different states too. It's not just a concern in, uh, in any one place. And it's really about not just making sure that we have a milk supply, but making sure that we keep family farms and business after this. And this is such an unusual situation. That there, that there is an account of COVID-19 and the response to it, that we do worry that if the right steps aren't taken, we could lose a massive amount of the, of the industry and a massive amount of farmers on the other side of this. And I know I that's, think that's a big part of this, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're, tr we're trying to get through it, but we also have to look, are we going to have much industry left, you know, after this is over? I, I think you're right. You've got to be looking ahead on that. Exactly. Yeah. Paul, thank you so much for the update, and we'll stay in touch as uh, we get more developments here. But thank you for, for being with us. Take care. Take care, Mike. Thanks so much. All right. Paul Bleiberg, Vice President, Government Relations for the National Milk Producers Federation. So you, I think you've heard it laid out uh, 
very clearly there what the pork, beef, and dairy industries are dealing with. And this is throughout agriculture, really throughout the economy, but we're focusing, of course, on agriculture. Uh, dealing with it right now, the crisis, but also what's the, the industries, what are these industries going to look like after COVID-19 and uh, trying to prepare for that as well. We'll have more assessments coming up tomorrow as we continue to look at the impact of COVID-19, the fallout, uh, the implications, and the challenges moving forward. Hope you'll stay safe and be with us again tomorrow right here on AOA. AOA.